Hey, thanks for being here this morning and uh, braving the cold. I expected to see all the people from Wisconsin and uh, Pennsylvania and New York and Michigan. Uh, got the Irish here this morning, and uh, I expected to see all the people from the cold places, but I see a lot of Texans here today. You guys are awesome. Uh, I appreciate you. Uh, that was crazy. I went to the gym yesterday when I went there. I was in shorts and a t-shirt. It was 72 degrees. I came out. It was 57, and that wind was blowing right through me. I'm like, man, that happened quick. So I woke up to, what, 19 degrees this morning? Hey, you lived to tell about it, and you got to church. Thank you so much. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. This is your pastor giving you a standing ovation. Glad for you to be here. And um, welcome to 2022. And um, by the way, uh, just because it's a new year doesn't mean everything's going to be different. Don't want to rain on your parade or anything. <laughs> I, I know we put a lot of faith and hope in, well, it's a new year, that year's gone, it's a new one. And, and I think we should do that. I'm not saying that's wrong. But just because the calendar changes another day, which is basically what happened, right? Does, doesn't mean that everything's going to be different all of a sudden. There's some things we've got to do for things to change in our lives. And all through 2021, we preached about this. We preached on moving forward. Change is about moving forward. I mean, because when you change, you want to change for the better, right? Right? Most of you? <laughs> we want to move forward, not backwards, right? Come on, help me out here. And we preached on moving forward in maturity and discipleship and community and in honor and in family and in hope and, and moving forward in Thanksgiving. And we finished the year preaching this short little Christmas series called Moving Forward in Faith. And the elders, and uh, we talked about this and, and concluded that we need to continue that this year on this series, um, Forward in Faith. Not sure how long it's going to be. Uh, but we will see as God leads each week what we're going to uh, preach on. But, but I really believe we need to move forward in faith as a church. We need to move forward in faith in our families. We need to move forward in faith in our individual lives. And listen, moving forward in faith, it require, moving forward requires faith, vision, and action. It's intentional. It doesn't just happen. So many people are sitting around just waiting for something to happen. And, and even Christians are waiting for God to do something. And there's a sense and, and a truth that we need to wait on God. Uh, but at times, I think God is waiting on us. And, and we're going to be talking about that in my message today called Forward with Vision. And when I say forward, it, it means things like to move towards a goal, to increase in growth or maturity, to, to change for the better to make progress, to move forward. Yes. And, and this just came to me as I'm, I'm preaching here this morning that, that there was a time when, when uh, Moses was crying out to God after when they were at the Red Sea and all that, was it was a mess and the sea was before them and the army was behind them and they were stuck and in a tough place. And, and God said, God finally said to Moses, why are you praying? There was a time for prayer. Listen to me. There's a time for prayer. But he said, get up and lead these people forward. 
Go to your Bible. You can read about it. It's in a book called Exodus. Get up and move. And sometimes we get, we get, all we do is pray. Listen, the main thing we do is pray. The most important thing we can do is pray. But it's not the only thing. Faith without works is dead. And there's some things we have to do to move forward in faith, to make progress. In Philippians 3, 12 through 14, here's what the, the Apostle Paul said. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect. It, isn't that good to hear somebody like Paul to say, Paul, hear Paul say, I'm not perfect. I, I've not got it all together yet. I mean, isn't that good? Does that encourage you? It encourages me. But I press on. Even though I'm not there yet, even though I haven't obtained it yet, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, and then he tells you two things that are part of that one thing. Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Notice Paul had a vision. Paul had a goal. And he was moving forward with it. And we know that he did move forward with it, and we know that he accomplished that goal and that vision because at the end of his life, he was able to say in Acts 26, 19, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. He had a vision from God, and he obeyed it. In 2 Timothy 4, 7, Paul said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished my race. I have kept the faith. Paul was able to say, I knew what my race was, and I finished it. God has a race for you. Your race is not mine or anybody else. He has a race. He has a course set out for you. It's God's vision for his life. Paul knew he had accomplished that vision. How did he know? Because he knew what the vision was all along. He heard from God, and he did what God told him to do. Have you heard from God, and are you doing what God wants you to do? Are you moving forward with God's vision for your life? What's the goal you are moving forward? What is it? God's will is for you to move forward in every area of your life. We should be moving forward or advancing in our relationship with God, which means we should be getting closer to him, not, not, not falling apart, away or drifting away from him. We should be moving forward in our relationships with people, which means we should be getting closer together and building stronger relationships, not drifting apart or isolating ourselves. We should be moving forward in our finances, which means we're getting ahead of our bills, not falling behind our bills. We should be moving forward in our education, moving forward in our career. Moving forward does not happen by accident. You will ne moving forward does not happen by accident. You will never advance by chance. Listen, listen close. You'll never possess what you are unwilling to pursue. You'll never possess what you're unwilling to pursue. You've got to go after it with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And first of all, as we saw the first love, we've got to go after God. That's our first step. Go after God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then do what he tells us. Because listen, success is the, is the result of choices, not chances. You change your life by changing your choices. Listen to me. Listen real, real close to Pastor Joe right now. You listening? Every decision 
you've ever made, every choice you've ever made has worked perfectly to get you to the place you are right now. Now, if you want to get somewhere different, I don't know if that was proper English, but if you want to be somewhere else, you're going to have to do things differently. If you always do what you've always done, you always get what you've always got. And so that means something has to change, and it starts changing with the choices you make and the goals and vision for your life. You change your life by changing your choices. Remember, insanity is doing the same thing the same way over and over again, expecting different results. You change your life by following the ways of God, not your own way. By hearing from God and doing his will, all it takes to go backwards, listen, all it takes to go backwards, all it takes to get behind, all it takes to fall away or drift apart is to do nothing. Moving forward takes effort. Moving forward requires vision. I remember when we started this church, 20 people, I mean 20 years ago. No people, there were six of us. No money. No denominational support. No sending church. We had absolutely nothing in the physical realm. But we did have a big vision. And we had a big faith in a big God who does big things through people who have big vision and a big faith in a big God. And we've come a long way, but we've got a long ways to go. We're still dreaming about where God wants to take us together. Listen, every big accomplishment started with a vision. Started with a dream. Didn't just happen by accident. In May 1961, I remember this as a kid, President Kennedy said, we're going to put a man on the moon by the end of the decade. And on July 20th, 1969, the first man stepped on the moon. Vision. Started with vision. In the 1950s, the CEO of Coca-Cola said, I want to make it possible for anyone in the world to be able to taste a Coke in my lifetime. Pastor Deb and I have been all around the world. I, I remember once we went to, uh, when we went to Kenya, uh, we went to Pastor Olin, we went to Pastor Olin and Sybil, and there was some places we went that were so remote, we left the ladies behind, and, 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 and Pastor Olin and I went with the African bishops to go and teach and preach, and, and, and I went to some places where the little kids would go running when they saw me because they never saw a white person before. It was very remote. They had no electricity, they had no running water, had very little of anything. But they had Coke. <laughs> it was in a bottle, it was warm, because there was no electricity, I, ice they never had seen before, but they had Coke. Started with a man's vision. Walt Disney had a dream to turn some swampland and some orange groves in Florida into a family theme park. Do you know that Walt Disney died before Disney World was completed? And at the grand opening, somebody said, man, it's so sad that Walt Disney did not live to see this. But Mike Vance, who was the creative director of Disney World at the time, said, oh, he did see it. That's why it's here now. He saw it first. 
And it was Walt Disney who said, if you can dream a dream, if you can dream it, you can do it. Remember, this whole thing was started by a mouse. Talking about Mickey Mouse. Now, now think about this. All these great accomplishments started with a great vision. But the greatest vision of all time was when Jesus Christ told a small group of people, go into all the world and make disciples of all people. And we're still, we're still a part of that vision. We're, we're a part of making that dream, that vision come true today. Now listen, if Walt Disney could accomplish so much in the kingdom started by a mouse, how much more can we accomplish in the kingdom started by Almighty God? If people can take a product like Coke around the world, surely we can take the good news of Jesus Christ around the world. If we can put men on the moon, surely we can figure out how to get men to church. But it all starts with vision, vision. It's a clear mental picture of our prophetic future. It's a word from God for our future. It describes where we're going. Who we are becoming. And every church has a different vision. Our, our vision at GFC, at Grace Fellowship, is, is touching heaven, changing earth. And when we say we want to touch heaven, that means we want to experience God in our worship service, in our, in our personal quiet times. Uh, we want to experience the manifest presence of God because we believe when God shows up, God speaks. He does miracles. He does things that, that changes us. And then we go out changed. And through his power, we help change the world. Now, the long form of our vision is this. Grace Fellowship Church exists to be a multi-ethnic, multi-generational, spirit-filled congregation that touches heaven and changes earth. Now, let me tell you, that's changed over the years. Touching heaven, changing earth has not changed. At the the beginning, it was to be a a contemporary spirit-filled church that touches heaven and changes earth. We didn't have a vision for multi-ethnic then or a vision for multi-generation. But years into it, God gave us a vision to become a a multi-ethnic church. And we've spent years of work and prayer and intercession and warfare and intentionality to make that come about. And then God has added recently here this multi-generational aspect, which I'm going to talk about today. And to accomplish our, our vision, we do four things and four things only. We experience the presence of God in our services. Through spirit-led praise and prayer and the the gifts of the Spirit. We want to be a church where the the Holy Spirit is free to flow and do do what he wants to do. And through spirit-filled preaching, we experience the presence of God. We equip God's people to achieve their God-given potential and to become leaders in church, at at home, at work, in in school. And we achieve that goal through through small groups and and discipleship classes. And and we're working on ongoing leadership development. You'll you'll, You'll hear more about that. Thirdly, we extend God's kingdom by intentionally reaching out with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we're committed to reaching that goal by meeting needs in our neighborhood. We're feeding the homeless. We're doing things in our neighborhood, uh, in our nation, and then in the nations of the world. And fourthly, we empower the next generation for Jesus Christ to become mature disciples who, what do they do? They experience God's presence, they then equip others to achieve their potential, and they extend God's kingdom by reaching out with the gospel. And we're committed to reaching reaching that goal through our children's ministry, our student ministry, our young adult ministries, which are forthcoming, our adult ministries. Now listen, of those four things, we're, we're, we're strong in two of them. We're strong in experiencing God. And extending his kingdom. Our growth areas, used to call them weaknesses, now they're growth areas. <laughs> Our growth areas are equipping people 
and empowering the next generation for Jesus. And as the elders prayed about this and talked about this, and we did some research, we found that there's a huge problem facing the church in America today. It's not just affecting our church, it's affecting every church in America. And churches don't, that don't address this problem will eventually die. Here's a problem. Young people are leaving the church in droves. My dad and I talked about this. You know, my dad's 90. He's still pastoring, and he's pastoring a little church now out in West Tennessee. And, and he was talking about how at a church that he was pastoring before this out in the country, how a lot of the young people had left and were going, driving into town, a bigger town, Dyersburg, Tennessee, to, uh, to a younger, more contemporary type church. The church he was at was back, built back in the 1800s, and if you went there in the 1800s and you went back there today, it'd virtually be about the same, except they had electricity, they had a sound system, but they're singing the same songs. Everything was virtually the same. There had been no change. And my dad's comment was, if, if we don't figure out how to keep young people, this church is going to die. And it's true of every church. Most churches in America are shrinking as they are aging. And listen, young adults ages 18 to 29 make up 22% of the United States population. Yet they represent less than 10% of churchgoers. It's a big thing. Approximately 70% of those who are raised in church disengage from it in their 20s. One-third of Americans under 30 now claim no religion. Millennials who were born between 1985 and 2000 are the largest generation alive in America right now. They're the most diverse, ethnically diverse generation in American history, and they are the least churched generation in American history. They don't think they need church. They're not necessarily against it. It just doesn't seem relevant to them. And as I was studying this week, I, I pretty much had my sermon done, and, and I kind of, I love it yet hate it when this happens, where, where I find something out after I'm about done with my sermon, now I got to go back in and rework it. But I, I felt I needed to do that for this, because I came across this article this week as I was was studying this. Here's what this article says. Millennials lead shift away from organized religion as pandemic tests Americans' faith. Millennials, it's not meaning that they're leading people away from the faith. It means they are in the lead. They are the lead group that is, that is lead, leaving the faith. And the article points out that historically, people turn to God during hard times. Throughout history, that's always happened. But that's not happening during this pandemic. People, mainly young people, are turning away from God, from prayer, from Bible, from church. Listen, this is serious. This involves our children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren. We've got to figure out how to connect with and reach the next generation for Jesus Christ. It's a serious issue for the church. Now listen, it's a serious issue for the people, young people themselves. I came across this article this week, too. Millennials diagnosed with anxiety more than any other generation, according to recent data. The article shows a graph comparing depression and anxiety by generation. So the darker line is depression, the lighter line is anxiety, so it's probably hard to read that, but the top line is millennials, 
19% exp uh, uh, experiencing depression, 12% anxiety, so that's 10, 20, 31%, although I'm sure some of those have both. Generation X, age 34 through 47, 14% and 8%. Baby boomers, age 48 through 66, 12% and 7%. The mature generation, age 67 plus, 11% and 4%. Now, the article kind of tried to give some reasons why millennials are, are experiencing more depression. And they give several reasons. Uh, by the way, before I, uh, this just came to my mind. I, I told you a while back that I came across these figures, and this was pre-COVID. Pre-COVID, in the year, the, the three or four years preceding COVID, the, uh, the average life expectancy of Americans went down. I'm talking pre-COVID. Uh, which historically had been on the rise. People were living longer and longer and longer and longer and longer. Then a few years back, all of a sudden, it started going down. And as they got in and dug out and checked out those numbers, it wasn't that old people were dying in greater measure. It was young people. Young people dying. Drug overdoses, intentional and unintentional, uh, suicide, uh, liver issues from alcoholism, uh, uh, other things like that. But, but it was very sad to me to read that, that the younger generation was, was dying at, at a much greater rate than ever in history. And, and so you remember that, that previous article I showed you about millennials turning away from God? Uh, well, I see that as a major contributor to all of this depression and anxiety. I'm not saying it's the only thing. But it is, a, it is an element. And I remember this another, another graph that I had shown a while back on the importance of religion in the lives of Americans by, by generations. So this is the one I showed you before about depression and anxiety by generation. Here's the importance of religion in your life by age group. So uh, the top one is 18 through 29. It's 40% of them, it's important. 30 through 49, 51%. 50 through 64, uh, 59 says it's very important. Uh, 65%, 65 older, 65% say it's very important in their life. Now, what I, what I want you to notice is the nature of these graphs. They're kind of inversely uh, correlated. Re religion is important to the older generation. And it's evidence, I don't, I'm not going to show you all the other graphs, but they have graphs showing how they are the highest in faith, in belief in God, in a church attendance, in Bible reading, in, in prayer. And they have the least depression right. and anxiety. The younger generations see religion, God, church, prayer, the Bible as less important. And they have the most anxiety and depression. Now it just might be me. But I think those things are related, and it is so sad to me. It is heartbreaking to me, because the very thing they are turning from is the very thing that can help them. God, church, the truth of God's word, prayer, 
We've got to figure out what we can do about this as a church. We know our message never changes, but, but our methods must change. And it's hopeful when you study about millennials and get to know them. They are very family-oriented and very relational, and they want to make a difference in the world. They are cause-oriented, and so they are attracted. Those who are attracted to the churches, uh, the, the, uh, they're attracted to churches that are diverse, that are relational, and that are making a difference in the world. I think we offer all those things, so we've got to figure out how to get that message out to younger people and how to reach them. Now listen, basically we're feeling about this the same way when we, we felt when we first received the vision to become multi-ethnic. I mean, everything we did became geared towards reaching that goal. We're feeling the same way about reaching generations for Jesus. That, that goal to become multi-ethnic became our focus. We had to pursue it with intentionality. It took years to accomplish that vision, but here we are. And it will take years to accomplish this vision, but we're committed to it. We're committed to touching heaven and changing earth by reaching the next generation for Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, our apostolic team has identified three things we need to focus on this next year to help bring this about. Number one, make disciples. Number two, strengthen marriages and families. And number three, empower the next generation of leaders. When I say next generation of leaders, I'm not just talking age there. There are people who are 70 and 80 who never led. They need to be empowered to lead. And listen, when I'm talking about vision today, when I'm talking about vision today, this has nothing to do about age. You can be eight, you can be 80. I just told you, my daddy's 90. My dad, 90 years old. Just took on a little church out in the country close to his house. He was pastoring at another church that was 45 minutes away, and it got a little far for him to drive. He heard about this church that they were dwindling and about to die, and they were going to shut the doors. And something rose up in him. It makes me want to cry. I mean, this is my sweet little dad. I mean, you've heard him here preaching. This man can preach. He still, you've heard him here. He was just here not long ago. He can bring the word like he was 40 years old. He can preach circles around most people. And it, it came up in his heart. I'm, I'm not going to let that church die. I'm not going to sit by and do nothing while that church closes its doors. And he's going over to that church now with eight or ten people. Been a church, been out in that country since the 1800s. Preaching there. Giving himself to them. Ministering to them. So that that church doesn't close its doors. And it reminds me of Caleb when Caleb came into the promised land. Caleb was 80 years old. Remember, Caleb and Joshua were the ones who stood in faith believing for the promised land. But they still had to go through 40 years of the wilderness because of under, other people's unbelief. But when Caleb got into that, that country, he saw this mountain. And he said at 80 years old, Give me that mountain! And Joshua let him have that mountain, and he went and took that mountain. He had to fight for that mountain. At 80 years old, he had a vision to take on something new. So I, I'm, I'm speaking to everybody today. No matter, no matter what your age is, we need to be, be leaders. We need to have vision for our lives. You know of people, you know of people who retired, did nothing, and died. And so I say, I, I say, if you're retired, hey, you never retire from the kingdom of God. God has something for you to do. God has vision for your life. And so as elders and apostolic team, we came up with this vision for 22, 
2022 and going forward, we will become. Vision statements are what we will be, where we will go, where we're going, what we will become. We will become a multi-generational church that makes disciples, strengthens families, and empowers the next generation of leaders. And we identify some things we need to do to accomplish this vision. To empower the next generation, we've got to continually work uh, at improving our children and youth ministries, including upgrading the classrooms, including uh, getting more teachers in there. Some of you need to pray and ask God if he would want you to be involved in raising up uh, the next Next generation. That if that starts with kids. When Pastor Deb and I started ministering at Shady Grove Church years ago, the first thing we did was teach a five-year-old class. It was a blessing to us to be able to pour into those those children. We've we recently relaunched our three-degree student ministry. We want to begin a young adult and millennial ministry. Uh, we want to see more. We've got to see more young people uh, on the platform and, and involved in ministry teams, ushers and greeters, and, and every other team in our church. We want to see that. It's going to take intentionality for every team leader. For discipleship, we are revamping our great our grace journey. Uh, 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 the discipleship pathway. We're planning on a, how to phase in a, a ministry mentor program. We have a, a vision to make discipleship and small groups a part of the DNA of our church. For family, we're starting up a, a marriage ministry. And to, to accomplish that ministry, it's going to take a lot of prayer, a lot of work, but we are going to move forward in faith. That's the vision for our church. You've got to catch it and run with it. But here's what I want to ask you. What's your vision? Can you state back to me God's vision for your life just as clearly as I stated for you the vision for our church? What's your dream for the future? If you're like most people, you don't know. The most common answer given when people are asked what's their vision for their life, they say, I don't know. That is so sad to me that people are living dreamless, visionless, purposeless lives. They get no closer to the goal because they don't know what the goal is. And I don't believe God wants us to live that way. God wants us to, to end up a, a certain place, and a lot of people just end up nowhere because they, they didn't know where they were headed. God wants us to live lives of purpose and vision. Proverbs twenty nine eighteen says, where there is no vision, people perish. It's not saying that necessarily that you're going to literally die, but in every area of life, without vision, something always dies. When there's no vision to have a growing personal relationship with your creator, your inner man perishes. Where there's no vision for a godly family, you have a big chance of your family perishing. When you have no vision for your own calling, destiny, and purpose, you'll flounder around and go from job to job with no real accomplishment. Where there's no vision that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, your physical health will perish. Where there's no vision for a financially wise lifestyle, you can live in the richest country on earth and, and, and still be financially perished. Do you get the point? Without vision for every area of your life, there will be a perishing. Without vision, you will end up at the end of your life in regret, wondering, why didn't I accomplish more? Why didn't I get somewhere? Why didn't I make something more of my life? That's not how God wants you to end up in life. God has a vision for you, a plan for you, a purpose for you. Do you know how to discern your vision from God? I'm telling you, the first thing, your first priority needs to be pray. Fast and pray. And seek God. I, I would challenge you to, for the, at least the next 30 days, every day, spend, spend some time 
God, show me your vision for my life. Show me your dream for my life. Show, you, show me your call on my life. God, I'm praying every day. Find somebody else to agree in prayer with you and pray every day until God gives you that clarity. And God speaks in different ways to different people. I'm not saying you're going to hear an audible voice. But usually these six things right here I'm going to give you will be involved in hearing from God. Number one, your values. Values are the things that are important to you. And one day, one way to discover your values is to discover what angers you. I'm not saying the things people do that make you mad. I'm talking about what stirs up righteous anger in you. You know, there is a righteous anger. Jesus got angry, so there must be a righteous anger. Here, here's how you know. What is it that causes you to say, somebody ought to do something about that? People used to come with me with that statement. They don't anymore because they know what I'm going to say now. Because usually when they come with me, pastor, somebody needs to do something about this, they usually mean I need to do something about this. But I always put it back on them. Well, if God is speaking that to you, then you're probably the someone who needs to do something about it. Then God speaks through your inner desires and, and, and passion in life. Remember, if you, if you seek the Lord, you trust the Lord, he, he gives you the desire of your heart. He puts desires in you. It's the dreams in your heart. And, and, and if you discover values by what makes you righteously anger, inner desires are discovered by knowing what makes you happy, what brings you joy, what brings you fulfillment in life. Then S stands for, this is, spells out vision. What, what's your spiritual gifts? Spiritual gifts are supernatural abilities by, from God. And, and in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 14, teaching on gifts, it says God gives spiritual gifts to every single one of us. Do you know your spiritual gift? If you don't, that would be my next priority to you. Pray and seek God, then discover your spiritual gift. I, what's the impartation from past life experience? Past life experience shows you things you like or dislike, what you're good at or not good at. Well, the O stands for other people. What do other people say? What do other people say? Other people that you can trust, other people that care about you in your future. Not just what does your mama say. I, I, Pastor Devin and I love to watch American Idol, and they always got people on there who think they can sing, and they can't. And, and they will sit there, stand there and argue with them judges who are professional and say, but my mama said I can sing. <laughs> well, your mom is proving the fact that not only is love blind, but love is deaf. <laughs> but what is somebody, some objective party who cares about you, what do they say about you? They can help you discern the will of God. The church, that's one of our roles to help each other discover our dream and encourage each other to pursue it. And then in, what are your natural talents and abilities? And natural talents and abilities are, are also imparted by God. And we'll go back to the singing thing. If that's your dream to be a singer, God's going to give you some singing talent. If you can't hold a note in a bucket, that's a different thing. So to move forward in vision is going to require... So uh, vision, but it's also going to require faith. There's a difference between vision and faith. Vision means to see, especially the, the, the future God has for you. And accomplishing that vision requires faith. Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now, there's, I'm almost done here. Two main, word, two main Greek words uh, are translated word in the, in the New Testament. One is logos, which means the revealed will of God. It's mainly speaking of the Bible, the written word of God. The other Greek word for word is rhema, which literally means that which is spoken. 
Rhema is a personal, life-giving word from God. It's not referring to the whole Bible, but the individual scripture which God breathes life to in, in, at a certain time. Have you ever been reading your Bible and you're just reading, 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 reading? Yeah, I'm getting my daily Bible reading done. When bam, suddenly a scripture just jumps off the page and speaks to you. Any of you had that happen? That is a rhema word from God. And we only, spend, we only receive rhema as we spend time in the logos. Don't complain about not hearing from God if you don't spend time in the word. Don't complain about not hearing from God if in your prayer time you're not spending time listening to God. By the way, I encourage you as I do the first of every year, get into a daily Bible reading plan. There's a zillion of them online. I love to use the U, the U Bible, uh, uh, and it's got every version of the Bible in there. It's got a zillion Bible reading plans. It's on my phone. I can read it wherever I go. But get in the Word. Listen, in God's kingdom, listen, hearing comes before seeing. You must hear from God in order to have the faith to see God's vision for your life. And to move forward, you've got to have vision, and that vision must be clear. Habakkuk 2.2 says, write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. I wrote out our vision. Our vision is written out on our website, our app, and everywhere else. We can write it. It's plain so you can know what it is. Is your vision that plain? If you can't write it down, it's not clear yet. And then when you do get clarity, you've got to have faith in the power of God to move forward, to step out and move forward with, with vision. Ephesians 3.20 says, God is able, this is the amplified version, to carry out his purpose, I love that, and to do super abundantly, I love that, far over and above all that we dare ask or think, infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, hopes, or dreams. Wow, this is like God is daring us to dream bigger, pray bigger, believe bigger. God wants to do bigger things for you than you've ever thought of, ever dreamed of, ever entered into your mind. So I'm calling you today at the beginning of this year out of small-minded thinking, out of small faith praying, out of small dream living. I'm calling you to move forward with a dream and to, to dream big dreams, to pray big prayers, to have big faith in a big God who does big things through people with big dreams and big faith in a big God. And listen, we really want to touch heaven and change earth together. That's our vision. Let's run with it. Let's dream together. Let's build together. I really believe that together with faith, we can touch heaven and change earth. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Amen. Can you stand to your feet? But what's God saying to you today? What's God saying to you today? Do you have a vision for your life? No matter what stage you're in, do you have a vision? Is it clear? Can you write it down? I encourage you to get in the Word, get in prayer, seek God, ask God, Lord, give me clarity, show me a vision, give me a dream, show me what you called me to do for the rest of my life. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray for an impartation of revelation. I pray, God, that you would speak clearly to your people. God, that you would give them a dream, a vision. Lord, not a fantasy that they make up, but a, a dream from you, a vision from you, a heavenly calling that they pursue as Paul did. Lord, you want that for each and every one of us. And I'm asking for you to impart it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen, amen, amen.